0: Romans chapter twelve, verses nine through sixteen. If you're following your pew Bibles, that's on page one thousand and nine. It's Romans twelve, verses nine through sixteen. Let love be with you. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor. Giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing the needs to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, be of the same mind toward one another, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own opinion.
1: Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, I thank you for being with us this morning. It encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. What a powerful reading we have just read. Do you love like God loves? Does your love for others look like God's love for you? Uh, we'll consider that all throughout this lesson this morning. Before we do, let me encourage you to, to look forward to this evening. I'll uh, be leaving this afternoon, and, and Philip will also will be speaking at a lectureship. Uh, Polishing the Pulpit is the name of it in Sevierville, and there'll be a couple of thousand Christians there. And uh, we'll be there this week in that. And uh, Alan Cantrell will be preaching tonight. and. Uh, you know, Alan, uh, you know that you're already looking forward to hearing him. He always challenges us. And uh, it's good when any man can challenge us from the pulpit. When it's a man, his age is just a little more impressive. And so we praying for him this afternoon. We're thankful for the great work he's done uh, this past summer or this summer. Uh, in just north of san antonio and uh, we're thankful that he's also uh, back home for a few days before he heads back to college also mark your calendars this next Sunday is bible class emphasis day you might want to encourage your children to invite some of their friends next week for bible class emphasis day in your bible classes this morning you'll talk about bible class emphasis day and and what you'll be doing as a class maybe eating together or or how it is that you want to encourage others Please be thinking about who you can invite, not only for next Sunday, but also consider the next month, the whole month, we will be looking at relationships and the way God wants us to share in relationships. And we're going to go a lot deeper. We are really going to go into the depths of holiness and talk about how if we were holy people the way God designed us to be, how would that affect our relationships with others. That's what we'll be studying in Bible class. We'll be also looking deeper into the anatomy of spiritual relationships each Sunday morning and and Sunday afternoons. We'll be doing some more practical lessons. In other words, what I'm saying to you is invite. Invite someone to come be a part of our Bible classes next month. What a blessing it would be if we could help them be a little bit more like God. What a blessing it would be if it can help us be a little bit more like God. Also, for this week's homework assignment, uh, keep in mind, hopefully you didn't mail out last week your cards to someone who's struggling. If you're going to mail out one to someone that is an RTC participant or to the inmates in the Wilson County Jail, those boxes are at the Welcome Center. Please get those cards in today, and the men that lead those ministries will make sure that they are given to someone that it would be a great encouragement. We truly want to love one Love all one another as we studied last week this week You'll notice that your homework assignments on the edge of the pews again, if you will uh, If you're on the outside edge uh, take a stack of cards there. It's our simple kindness cards They're also scattered throughout the window seals if you will take at least four or five of those for each person Pass it down and then you know the drill if they meet in the middle then if you will pass them back to the outside aisles for the next service and uh, This is a wonderful opportunity for you to go out and keep your eyes open for other people this week. And what is it that you could do to show a simple act of kindness for them? And then instead of taking the credit yourself, just give them a card and give the glory to God. Uh, Just this week, I wish that that I'd had one of these cards. Mitch and and Juan and I we were helping uh move uh, we got kind of drafted it was like hey can you help us and and so we we were helping this this young couple move a couple of appliances out of their house and they kept insisting let us pay you let us pay you and it was like no 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 we're not we're not going to take any money and and you know and I said just give the glory to god we're thankful for God, and and I, the whole time I'm saying that, I thought, boy, I wish I had one of those kindness cards. It would just be so much easier to communicate to say, no, no, you don't owe us anything. Just read that. We want to share God's love with everyone because we're God's people, and that's what He expects of us. But it's not just so that it's an act that has no meaning. But it's always an act that they can see our good works and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. I don't know what you thought if you read the Chronicle recently. But I'll be honest with you, it knotted it up my stomach. And it made me stop and think, what are we doing at Mount Juliet Church of Christ? Have you noticed our community's not getting better lately? I'm not trying to pour cold water on anything, but there's only three lead stories here. The first lead story is about a man arrested for criminal homicide at a Mount Juliet bar. The next article is a Mount Juliet massage parlor busted for prostitution. And I can't read that without thinking which one of us was it that should have reached that man and taught him about the Lord before he decided to spend a night in a bar and kill somebody. Who should have reached that woman that was a prostitute in our community? Who should have reached her with the love of Christ and taught her the gospel, the good news of truth, before she spends several years in a prison? If we're not going to make a difference in our community, we need to shut the doors. We need to forget whatever reason we're here because it's the wrong reason. We are not placed here to ritually come inside these walls and sing songs of worship and study good news and it stay here. We are to be a light to this community. And I hope you'll be prayerful. I hope you'll be diligent. I hope you'll truly have eyes to seek out what is it that God wants you and collectively us to be in this community. Surely with this many Christians in one place, things could become better and not worse. With the emphasis on love this month, if last week's Bible class or the adult Bible classes is still lingering in your mind, we do want to remind you that there's still more information in the four-year about the covenant eyes that could be a great way to hold yourself accountable by allowing someone that loves you to help hold you accountable. If you need that, please don't ignore uh, the love that God has for you. Uh, see how much you're worth in his eyes and that he wants you uh, to be pure. Uh, also, As mentioned last week, there'll be a group, one group for men and one for women and and probably multiple groups that will be meeting. There won't be an announcement of start time or a place or a date, but you can send an email to rtc at mountjuliet.org and you can find help with what you struggle with. You're not alone. And the truth is, if you're really addicted, you're not gonna get over it alone either. And so whenever you reach that point, where you accept, I cannot do this alone. God never designed for us to walk through this life alone. And so when you get to that point, be sure to remember that email address and there will be help for you that very same week that you say, I need some help. And we're thankful that that is true, that that help will be available. I received this letter during one of our <clears throat> August series on love. And it was from one of our members here, and she wrote about a woman. And she says, this woman was married to a military man that had an affair and left her for another woman. She was left with three small children and didn't know how she was going to survive. She moved back to Tennessee and was attending services at Old Hickory. A nice couple started coming over to her house every Sunday morning to help her get the three children ready for church. I don't know how long this went on, but I know that it made a huge difference in the life of that woman and of those three children. That kind couple was Horace and Lucille Garrett, the parents of Katie Whitaker and Twanda Travis. I just thought about how they looked for ways to serve others. Now, I might think of helping someone after they got to church, but they looked deep to see a need and fulfilled it in such a sweet way what good examples they were to all of us. I thought you'd enjoy that story. The way you love others, does it look like the way God loves others? In Ephesians, the second chapter, it eventually leads from verse 1 to verse 10, of course. And verse 10 is about that we are made in his, Christ made us his workmanship. And notice, it is created for good works. But notice when you back up to Ephesians 2, verse 1 starts out with the fact that we were in the trespasses of sin, we were dead, and we get to verse 4 and the whole difference is but God. And notice it's because of God's mercy, it's because of God's love, and it is because of God's grace that we had the opportunity to be made to do good works. In other words, we receive God's love and we offer God's love because we first received it, we offer it to others. We received mercy from God and now we have mercy to offer to others. We receive grace from God we have grace to offer to others listen it's all because of God we are created to do good works because of God and so here our text that was capably read a few moments ago in Romans the 12th chapter it is considered in the book of Romans the most practical paragraphs in the whole book of Romans But what's interesting is what leads up to these. In Romans the 12th chapter in verse 1 and 2, you remember those verses. And if you have your Bible open, you can glance down and see that in verse 1, we are called to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, God is asking for you. He's asking for your all. He's asking for your life. He's asking for your mind. He's asking for your energy. And he wants us to offer it. And then in verse 2, he says, now don't be shaped by the world. Be shaped by God. Don't love others the way the world would love others. Love others the way God would love others. And so it's this total commitment. Are we willing to take our whole life and say, God, I sacrifice it to you. But then in the very next paragraph, what he says is now I've given every one of you gifts. And I want you to use those gifts Realizing that you are one member of a greater cause and of a greater body. And God's given all of us various gifts, but we use them collectively. We use our gifts to serve God by serving others. And so that brings us to the third paragraph here in Romans 12. And isn't it interesting that the first place he begins is love. Now you remember a couple weeks ago we reviewed the fact that that's no surprise. Because God is love. And if we're going to be like God, that ranks high to love. And remember the first and second greatest commandments of love. Jesus said, I I raise the bar, love one another as I've loved you. Remember 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Remember Colossians the 3rd chapter where he lists all these beautiful things. And he says, but above all these things, put on love. In other words, now he says, I want you to be sold out. I want you to be wholly committed to me, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want you to use your gifts because you're wholly committed to me. Now I want you to be sold out using your gifts, loving the way I have taught you to love. So what does that look like? Look there in verse 9, of Romans 12. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Three attributes that he gives of love here. He says, first, I want your love to be like mine, and that is without hypocrisy. We understand, I would think, real easily what hypocrisy is. You know what it is for somebody to be hypocritical, to be one way in front of your face and a different way to your back. What about your love? What you look like right now as God's children, is that what you look like when you meet a stranger on Broad Street tomorrow on the way to work? Is that what you look like at your home one day this week when when the conflict is kind of stressful? Is that the way you look whenever you hear of one of your friends or your brothers or sisters that has a need? Does your look of love look like it is the opposite of hypocritical is sincere? Sincere comes from the idea of singleness. In other words, we're either forked or we are genuine. We are divided or we are single. And we think about the second thing that he said there was to abhor that which is evil. Now think about This is his discussion of love. I want your love to not be hypocritical. Abhor what is evil. Abhor is, is as strong in the Greek as it sounds in the English. It's a strong word. It is detestable. It's the idea that if you abhor something, you cannot stay close to it. God, what do you want us to love? And he'd say, I'll tell you what, don't love evil. As a matter of fact, I want you to not love evil so much you can't even stay around it abhor what is evil. Get away from what is evil. It's detestable. I can't be close to it. I can't look at it. I can't cling to it. I have got to get away from it. Does that describe our life? And listen, every one of us, every one of us would have some kind of temptation because nobody here is perfect. And so what is it that you need to be praying about? What is it that you need to be disciplined about? What is it that you know it's evil? Are you working on abhorring it? Or instead, are you nurturing it in your mind and you're growing closer to it? That becomes hypocritical love whenever we are moving toward what is evil instead of moving away from it. But then notice that third thing that he says, cling to what is good. Isn't that interesting that that's the same kind of language that he describes marriage? In in Genesis 2 and 24, that we cleave to our wife when he speaks to husbands there. The word here in hebrew or in greek whichever testament you're reading it out of it is the idea of to glue together Right now if we glued two sheets of paper together and the glue dried and then we said we're going to pull them apart What would happen? It would destroy the integrity of the sheets. They would not just cleanly come apart Why they were glued together? Listen, are you? so genuine not hypocritical genuine in your love That if you were torn away from what was good, you wouldn't be the same person. Because your life every day is rooted. It is clinging. It is interwoven. It is joined with what is good. Would it be safe to say that maybe we don't emphasize goodness enough? How important is it to you to hate evil? And love goodness. But notice this love, if we say, well, that's that's what I want to do toward God. That's what I want to do toward God. And and that is good. And that's what we should do toward God. But God in this passage real quickly says, now understand, if you do that toward me, I want you now to practice that toward all the brethren. Look at that very next verse of the one another. See there in verse 10, be kindly affection to one another. In Romans 12 and 10, the one another. In other words, if we're going to love without hypocrisy and we're going to cling to what is good and we're going to abhor that which is evil. Now let's make sure that we practice this love that that we're taught here. And let's make sure that we realize we have that responsibility to our family. We have that responsibility to one another. And the reason I say family here in verse uh, 10 is because he uses the family type of love twice in one phrase. It's very redundant. It's no doubt that he's using this as emphasis. Look there in verse 10 again, be kindly affectioned. Now now note that kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love. When we consider these words here, it's interesting that kindly affection in the Greek is one word, but it's a compound word. And the same thing, brotherly love in the Greek is is one word, but it's a compound word. And both of the words deal with love. In other words, the kindly affection there is philostorgos. Philostorgos. Now, philo is that warm, emotional love that we have when you say so-and-so is my friend. I just really enjoy being around them. That's philo. Storgos or storge, depending on the tense, it is family love. It is the bond. It's where, you know, you have two brothers and they're kind of fighting with each other and they're getting on each other's nerves and somebody outside the family walks up and tries to pick on one of the brothers and the brothers turn shoulder to shoulder and they defend each other. And you say, now, wait a minute. Just a moment ago, they were against each other and now they're defending each other. Why are they doing that? It's storge. It's that brotherly love. It's that family love. In other words, we use an expression today. We say that blood is thicker than water. That storge is what's being defined there. Now, isn't this interesting? God says, I want you to look at our spiritual family. And he says, I want you to have that, that blood type relationship with each other. It's because of the blood of Christ. Now, if you did, not that you may want to right now, but if you look to your left and right, you would see brothers and sisters of yours. They have strengths and they have weaknesses, just like in your physical family. And the question is, are you going to capitalize on their weaknesses and are you going to gossip about them? Or are you going to see their weakness and say, I'm going to use that as an opportunity to serve them in their weakness? Storge says, I'm going to see you and I'm going to claim you and I'm going to protect you and I'm going to stand up for you. We are family. And it's beautiful. And so here he writes and he says, I don't want you to just be family. That alone would have been amazing. But he says, I want you to have warmth in your family love. So now he's saying, I want you to be a family that gets along with each other. That alone would have been powerful. He could have used just one of those words, but instead he chose the compound of both of those words. But then he didn't stop there. He then says, be kindly affectionate to one another. And he comes back again and this time says, with brotherly love. Now, you know, Greek, if you know Philadelphia, brotherly love, Philadelphia, philo, again, is that warmth, Delphia is that brother. And so again, he's saying, I want you to not think about the first part of this. It would read like this. I want you to have warm family love to one another with warm brotherly love to one another. What's he trying to emphasize to us? I want you to love each other like family. I want you to stand up for each other like family. I want you to enjoy being with each other as a healthy family ought to be. Listen, some of us maybe grew up in in physical families that were not healthy. and, and, And that is what it is. But all of us can decide to be a part of a spiritual healthy family in God's family. God's designed a family that is to nurture and love one another. Now, how's this going to happen? It has to take place whenever that commitment that says, look, we're not all perfect. We all have strengths and weaknesses, but we're going to stick together like family. God is our father. Christ is our elder brother. And we're going to love each other. But the only way we can do it the way God has taught to do it is we have to be humble. Look at that very next phrase in verse 10 there. The very next phrase says, in honor, giving preference to one another. The word honor is to esteem, to hold up. So he says, now I want you to practice this love. I want you to practice this family love, this brotherly love. But I want you to do it. And now it's great humility. I want you to do it in honor. I really want you to esteem others. Now, you know, if you have siblings, you know your siblings' weaknesses. and You know their strengths. But even in spite of their weaknesses, you still honor them. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, in spite of their weaknesses, can you still honor them? And then this is amazing. He says, I'm not just saying honor them. He says, I want you to honor them giving preference to them. Preference is the idea of taking the lead. This is convicting. How often do you take the lead on honoring someone else? You know, it's not uncommon for someone to take the lead in honoring someone and other people join in. But how often do you give preference? In other words, he doesn't just say, I want you to honor. He says, I want you to take the lead in honoring. Don't wait when, when an opportunity walks into the room to honor someone. Don't wait and see if others are going to. He says, I want you to take the preference in honoring them. This week, when you have the opportunity in the community, in the work, in the school, when you have the opportunity to show love to someone and to honor them, to esteem them, to show worth, that you recognize their worth, are you going to give preference? Are you going to lead the way in doing that? What a beautiful, challenging teaching that God gives us here. It looks a lot like Philippians 2, and, and if time were endless, we study all of Philippians 2, because this first part is powerful, but the very next paragraph that, that begins at verse 6 and goes on shows a little more in depth of Jesus' example of humility. But I'd like for you to notice, it's there on screen, Philippians 2. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Well, that was the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Go back after verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same, now we're talking about love, being of one accord of what? And of one mind. What are we learning here? We love people and we honor people based upon how we think. Let that sink in. We love people based on how we think. Do you really think in humble terms? Do you really think in terms of exalting other people? Do you really think, I want to look for opportunities to give preference? I don't want to be the follow the leader in giving preference. I want to lead the way in giving preference. And so Jesus says in Philippians, the second chapter in his covenant, really it's Paul saying it, but it's Christ's covenant. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have a mind like I have. Lord, what kind of mind do you have? And he says, my mind is all about loving other people. Well, what would that look like? Let's just look at three and four. It would look like this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. What about if we go home and live that all week this week? Where we did nothing out of selfishness. What if all the students went to school and they did nothing out of selfishness? What if every employee did nothing out of selfishness? Nothing out of conceit. See, now we're back to, are we going to honor? I am not better than anybody. What if we held ourselves accountable to that? I refuse to believe that. I am not better than anybody. I'm going to hold everybody up. I'm going to honor them with preference. That guy selling the contributor for a dollar tomorrow on your way to work. God loves him as much as he loves you. You are not one ounce better than him. Not at all. That person at work that gets on your last nerve, you think they're one of the meanest people alive. God holds them, their estimation of their worth, equal to you. Maybe he doesn't appreciate the way they gossip. He wouldn't appreciate the sins that are in their life. But their worth is as great as yours. If we're going to have a mind like Christ, then we can love like Christ. If we do not have a mind like Christ, we cannot love like Christ. And notice this next phrase teaches us a lot. But in lowliness of mind, still in Philippians, three, in Philippians 2 and verse 3. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you, it's every one of us, look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Do you like talking to somebody that all they do is talk about them and what they like to talk about? Or do you like spending some time visiting with somebody that they talk maybe some of their interest, but they also inquire of your interest? You ever notice great salesmen or saleswomen? They always know how to inquire of your interest. Why? We start trusting people. Sales are based on trust. We start trusting people when they show a genuine interest in us. Now, if people will do that for financial profit, what should we do for the profit of God? What if we truly did hold others in our estimation greater? We believed with all of our heart that we're not better than them. And then not only did we do that, but then we sought interest in their interest. And what we might find if we did that is we might find a lot of ways to serve others. That next phrase, and we really have to close, and I mean that, but could we just go to verse 11? And I just want to show you this. I wish we had another 30 minutes. I know you don't, but look, look, in verse, look at verse 11. Now that we have this love that is for others... Notice not lagging in diligence diligence means fast. Let's make it high priority. In other words He doesn't want us to be lazy about loving others or serving others He wants us to be diligent about it and look at the next phrase Fervent in spirit fervent literally means bowling Something you you look at somebody and you know You look at a basketball player in the middle of a game and he's already put up 35 points You say wow, this is only third quarter. He is hot We know what you mean by that. You don't mean that his body temperature is hot. You're saying he's fervent. Would anybody look at the way we love other people and say, wow, they're fervent. They're, They're on fire. They are really loving other people. And I know we may think that's a strange way to look at it, but that's literally how God describes it here. As he says, be ambitious about it. Don't lag. Don't be lazy about it. Be on fire. Be excited to honor other people and to serve other people. And then notice this last phrase serving the Lord. And that's what it all gets down to. It's not, who can I go out and serve this week only because I'm serving them. And sure, there might be some moral merit to serving another person just to serve another person. But what I'm wanting you to see as Christians, we do not serve another person simply because it is a good humanitarian act. The highest and greatest motive that we take upon ourselves as Christians to serve other people is because the Lord says, that is how you serve me. Be diligent, get with it, get on fire. Serve me by the way you love others. Serve me by the way you practice humility. Remember Jesus says, you just give a glass of water in my name. You serve me. Remember when he says, you visit the sick, or you give a meal, or you give clothes. And he says, you've served me. This week, you may or may not decide to use the kindness cards, but all of us as Christians are required to go out and have eyes open to see others and see their needs and take interest in them. And when we serve them, give the glory to God because we know that ultimately that's why we're serving them. R.C. Chapman lived many years ago in England. And maybe he was a little bit having a bad day toward preachers when he said this, so I'm not trying to capitalize on this, but just notice this last line. He talked about his life goal, and he says, seeing that so many preach Christ and so few live Christ, I will aim To live Christ. We're here this morning because we love God. At least that's verbally what we would say. But the way we love others. Does our life prove. That we love God. I love being part of this congregation. I love the challenges that God places before us. I love the opportunities that God places before us. And I hope. I hope we're living up to God's expectations in our life. But it begins with each of us individually. And individually, we come together to form the body of Christ. This morning, if you're not a part of that body and there's something that we could do to encourage you, there's something that that we could do to help you, we would love to do that. If you can let us know what it is. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ, be restored you need prayers. We don't want it to be just lip service that we love you. We want to really love you. And if there's something that we can do to show you God's love, and it's something that we don't know and you can tell us about it, uh, come as we stand, as we sing.